always used to try to avoid preaching on um, the 4th of July weekend. And this year I couldn't get out of it. And I always struggle, you know, with whether I just stick with the scripture and focus on that or if I address what's going on in the world. Today I'm going to address the world. It's Independence Day weekend. It's rolled around again. It comes by faster and faster every year, it seems. And here we are ready to celebrate freedom. Freedom from tyranny, freedom from the rule of British government, freedom to self-govern, freedom to establish our own laws and to build our own society. The basis of this freedom was our vision and our hope for a utopian place, a just society that valued all people and made room for individual opportunity. We have the Constitution. It's there to protect individual rights and freedoms. What a wonderful and glorious thing. And we talk a lot in the public sphere about our rights and our freedoms. We have free speech, and lately that's being defended on social media, but it's not supposed to be the freedom to lie and mislead. We have the freedom to protest our government's decisions. I don't think that that is also the freedom to destroy property or to harass individuals. We have the freedom to bear arms, even concealed weapons, but that does not mean we have the freedom to harm other people. We have the right or the freedom or had to terminate a pregnancy, but that was not necessarily the freedom to do so wantonly or repeatedly. Some people asked me in the last week, so where does the ELCA stand on that? What is our position as a denomination? There's a whole social statement. It's actually really excellent, and we'll provide it to you if you want it. But in a nutshell, it says that uh, abortion, because we are flawed human beings and require grace, that abortion should be legal, but then they also go on at some length to say that it should be limited and rare. The freedoms we abuse are the freedoms we tend to lose. We want to limit our government control in one breath, and we want our government to exercise more control in the next breath, but the law is not what saves. The law can never save us. The law can never create the life that we want or the world that we would like to live in. It is the Spirit of God that does that, if we want less government control, then we have to exercise more self-control. The other side of freedom is individual responsibility. With the exercise of freedom comes the exercise of self-control, self-limits, self-imposed limits. The Apostle Paul speaks of a new creation in Christ, a new creation, a new world where there is no need for the law where we are set free from the law because the Spirit of God which is in our hearts leads us to act always in love for other. In the kingdom of God, every individual willingly, joyfully makes personal sacrifices for the common good. 
Paul says. It's not a burden, these self-limits. It's not something that we agonize under, but it's a joy in living. When we are acting out of Christ-like love, we aren't seeking to be the first, and we willingly refrain from exercising the freedoms that cause other people harm. When we are acting in love, we are free in Christ and can choose not to develop all of the land. We can choose not to speed through intersections and drive our cars too fast because we're mindful of how that might impact the other. We can choose in Paul's vision, in Jesus's vision, a society where we bear one another's burdens, where we freely and willingly give up our money, not because the government twisted it out of us, but because we wanted to build fire stations and police departments and to promote transportation and parks and 911 services because we all benefit from those things together. The freedom of a Christian is the freedom to love others, to put others ahead of ourselves. Christians are called to show the way. We, first and foremost, are to live in a way that is not like the way of the world. Paul said, I am crucified to the world. The world is crucified to me. We don't live like the world lives. We're called to a life of grace and mercy and healing and restoration in an unforgiving world. And we do this with gentleness, recognizing that we are never losing sight of our own sin, right? That we know that we also have fallen short of the glory of God and we also need forgiveness and restoration and healing and we also rely on this community to help us with that. We restore others without judgment or condescension. We bear one another's burdens, recognizing our own vulnerability and that also means sharing in the shame and the guilt and the pain when one of us goes astray. We're all tempted to put selfish desires first and we will all make mistakes. We all fall, fall short, but we are also forgiven and also have the spirit of the living God in us, a spirit of love, a spirit of compassion, a spirit of healing, a spirit of grace, a spirit that guides us in every way by the law of love which God has written on our hearts. A spirit of freedom to do what is good with kindness and humility and to do it in the name of Jesus and with abundant grace. We want to live in a world where we don't have to lock our doors or our cars. And the way to have that world is to be people who don't steal. We want to live in a world where we don't have other people oppressing us with lots of rules and regulations. And the way to have that world is for us to live always consciously and mindfully and gently with grace and foresight for our neighbor and how our actions might be impacting others around us. Wouldn't it be wonderful Again, to live in a world where people were not cursing one another all the time and the public space wasn't full of hateful speech and meanness and rudeness and we weren't tearing one another down. And the way to get that world is for us to mind our own speech, 
Let nothing come out of our mouths that is unkind or harsh. To focus on our own flaws rather than the flaws of others. And to take those flaws to God, knowing that God is gracious and good, will forgive us and restore us to that life of grace. Jesus sends the 12 out and they come back and now he's sending out the 70 into the world saying, go ahead and pairs to every town and place where I myself intend to go. He's sending them out to prepare the way so that others might receive him, come to know him and receive the life that he has to offer, the life in Christ, in grace, the life of the cross, of resurrection, life everlasting and abundant. We are God's sent out ones. Jesus is sending us out into a world to proclaim a vision of a world that is not regulated by an outward law, but a world that is regulated by an inner law of love. If we all had that vision, if everybody in the world could experience the kind of community that we experience in this congregation, then I think the whole world truly would be a much lovelier and freer place. Amen.